really good to see you all. Um, if uh, you're new here today, um, I thought I'd just qu quickly introduce myself. I'm David, I'm part of the team that leads this uh, wonderful community, and um, it's my privilege just to be able to share it with you this morning. I'm going to spend uh, the rest of the morning um, doing some teaching, and hopefully that will be helpful for us. Um, it's been great over the last few weeks, um, particularly the summer, to see just what's been happening in our, in our community. Um, it's been great to speak with Dan, for example, just over the summer here and hear how you know, much we raised um, before summer. We had a gift day for Farmbox and just to see you know, some of the, uh, the increase in the amount of families that we're able to bless through that particular ministry of Farmbox, which is just a, it's a ministry that helps us um, give fresh fruit and veg for those families in our city who are disadvantaged or on the margins. Um, it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful to hear what Kerry just shared and the, 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 the amount of school uniforms and cards and all the interaction that's happened around that particular school uniform initiative with um, it was great that Stephanie was able to lead the way in that and get us going, but Carrie's been a big part of that too, and it was just wonderful to hear all of that. Really, really, really good. Um, and it was great to meet on Friday night. We had a really good evening. There's a, there's a core group of us in this community who... Um, who serve um, so wonderfully, and um, we thought we'd put on a little barbecue to, to thank everyone. We had a good time on Friday night, which we hung out at Stephanie and Stephen's house. Um, a lot of burgers were cooked. Um, it was really good fun. It was really great. Stephanie and Stephen actually aren't with us this morning, but um, it was just wonderful to be able to hang out as, as a community. So, um, yeah, there's lots going on in our community. Um, oh, it's a bit noisy. Um, we're actually... Um, sort of beginning to turn the gears a little bit on the season. Church life starts to, starts to sort of increase a little bit and we get back into our normal rhythms of life, um, whether it's your family life or, you know, with the kids or, or, or your work or whatever. Often September feels like a bit of a start for, not for all of us, for, for many of us. And so that's what's happening at the minute. And we thought, you know, what we'll do is we'll actually, it would be great to start September just looking um, at some of the way, some of the things that make us Redeemer. And we're going to actually spend the rest of this month in a series called Intro. Hopefully there'll be a slide that'll come up. And we're going to spend the next few, few weeks um, looking at different things that make us Redeemer. So um, that will, that's what we'll be doing. Um, just by, before I get into that, um, uh, one of the beautiful things that we used to do um, as a community for many, many years, I've been part of this community, it's now 10 years old, Redeemer, and for the vast majority of the time, we've always been good at practicing community and hospitality and all of that. And on Sundays, often, as we gather here, this is our main gathering point as a community, we'd all, always go out into the city or go back to someone's home and we just have lunch together. It's just as simple as that, and there's been some of you that have been doing that. Um, uh, of late, that hasn't maybe been happening as much. We want to get that going again. So starting today, right after today, um, if you're interested in going into the city, we're going to go find somewhere cheap but nice. Um, we're going to go and have some food together. And it's great if you're new. If you're, really, if you're new to this community today, I want to say you're really welcome. And you're really welcome to come for lunch straight after this. I'm going to be there. It's also open for any of you who are just part of the furniture here. Um, it's for everyone. So if you're just interested, if you're not doing anything, if you have no plans, you'd love to just hang out for an hour. Um, uh, come and speak to me afterwards. I'm going to be hanging out up at the frontier somewhere. Um, we'd love to do that. And we're going to be doing that every Sunday through September. Um, so if you can't this week, you know, next week we'll be doing it in the following. And hopefully it'll become, again, just one of those rhythms in our community life that we do every week. Just a really great way to connect, particularly if you're new, but even if you're not, it's brilliant just to do that together. So we're going to be doing that. Um, 
just come and speak to me afterwards. Just for those of you who are interested, just before I get in as well, so we just finished a series there, a teaching series in the book of Revelation. Um, uh, this week I just emailed out, um, I did a blog post on that series, wrapping that up and pointing to the podcast. We did a conversation to wrap that up last week and Ryan particularly shared um, some of the resources that helped us with that series. So if you haven't connected, if you haven't signed up to our email newsletter, um, please do that because you get the blog post in your inbox and you'll just keep up to date with some of that stuff that we're pushing out. Um, we're hoping to do that a little bit more this year. Um, for those of you who are interested, when our preaching team get together to plan these things, we actually like, we do have a little bit of method in the madness. Um, and so we actually like to do... Um, some, some, when we, we get into like a book of the Bible, a piece of scripture, a particular book like Revelation, for example, we also like to do topics of teaching around themes, and that's what we're doing now with intro. But we like to alternate those, so we're going to begin into an intro series through September. But just for those of you who think, well, how do we actually decide what we do? We like to mix that up, so come October, the, the likelihood is we're going to get back into a, a book of the Bible again and study that in depth, and that just helps us engage with the scriptures. But then doing thematic topics like this, for a while helps us just inject into our community some of those topics that we want to talk about and all of that. So we just thought that'd be interesting to for some maybe for some of you to know just how we how we do that. So intro for it's good for everyone in our community um to go through this series, but particularly if you're new, this is gonna be really good. Let me tell you a story. There were two young fish swimming along and they happened to meet an older fish. And the uh swimming the other way. Two young fish meet an older fish. Uh, who nods at them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit. And then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, what the hell is water? Now, I'm not actually here this morning to talk about fish. Um, that fish is, that's fish story is a famous parable by a famous late American writer and philosopher called David Foster Wallace. Um, and the simple short story um, and the exchange between these two young fish and the old fish really just speaks to this simple fact that the most obvious, ubiquitous, important realities of life are often the ones that are actually hardest to recognize. The things like right in front of our nose, like the air we breathe in a sense, they're just there. What is more obvious and ubiquitous and real to fish than, than water? Yet for us, this story teaches us an important paradigm that the things that are most significant to our lives, our existence, our sense of self, our place in the world, these things are nearly impossible to see unless we take a step back and actually begin to reflect. So if I were to ask you a question, and I would love some answers, what keeps you alive as a human being? What is the most essential thing that will keep you alive? Does anyone want to answer? Just shout out a few suggestions. Sleep. Dan says sleep. Amen. I love sleep, but then I don't have any children. Like like Dan needs to sleep. Extra special. Anyone else? Sorry? Oxygen marks, yeah. Oxygen, that's uh, very essential. I think without that we'd all collapse, perhaps. Sorry, there's something here. Bring people to Jesus. Amazing. That's a lovely answer. Yeah, wonderful. Anyone else? Water? Water, you've tried that out, have you? Going for like water for a few days. <laughs> you pray over it, it becomes wine, brilliant. Some people would say wine, in fact, but um, 
food maybe comes to mind, I want to I wanna suggest, I want to contend this morning that one of the most important things for us um, that keeps us alive is this idea I want to talk about today, and that is the idea of story. Stories. These stories are really important. Stories really matter. I know oxygen matters and water matters and all that's very existential. We need that, but bear with me. Stories really matter. We all have a story, um, at least one story anyway. And the thing that really keeps us alive um, is something that we can sometimes be oblivious to, like the fish in water or the air that we breathe. Stories are actually an invisible reality that we're immersed in all of the time that actually sustain us. Let me illustrate this. Imagine you're walking through Belfast on a sunny, bright day, and you sit down on a park bench, uh, and a man walks by, and he sits down next to you on the bench. He turns to you, and he just says, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. You turn and you say, what? He repeats it again, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. What on earth is this man talking about? You're completely lost, struggling to understand why this random stranger has just sat down to you on this park bench and is repeating this strange phrase. And in a sense, we can actually only begin to understand that simple exchange if we actually place it within a broader framework, a broader story, perhaps. A story that will actually render this a comprehensible exchange that gives it some meaning. Here's perhaps three stories that might help us interpret what just happened. Perhaps the man has mistaken you for another person that he saw the day before who had asked, what's your favorite Jack Nicholson movie? Uh, Maybe he's just come from a session with his therapist. This is the second story. And the therapist has been helping him deal with perhaps some shyness. And the therapist has given him a task. Just go out today and talk to one person, a stranger, and the therapist has urged the man just to say anything at all. Just say anything at all. The first thing that comes to your mind, it just so happens that the first thing that comes to his mind was one flu with cookies nest. Or maybe this man is an international spy and um, he's arranged to meet a contact at this park bench and the code word for that exchange to reveal his identity is one flu with the cookies nest. You get my point. The meaning of the encounter at the park bench really depends upon the story which actually shapes it, puts it in context. Um, Each story gives that exchange a completely different meaning. Stories matter to us because they give us meaning. They help us make sense of the world. They help us make sense of our lives. Here's another example. Take Take a six foot Nordic pine tree and what have you got? A six foot Nordic pine tree. But if you decorate it and put it in the corner of your living room, suddenly it takes on a whole new meaning. Um, It takes on a whole new meaning with some narrative attached. Or take a curbstone in Belfast. It's just a curbstone in Belfast. (laughs) Throw some red, white, and blue paint on it. Suddenly it's got a whole new meaning. You get my drift, you get my drift. It's been furnished or adorned with a story. Stories are but like, you know, GPS coordinates. They help us navigate life. They help us understand where we're coming from and where we're going to. And so it's why stories matter, I think, more than anything else in the world. Help us 
to exist to, and to live. Without a story, we would struggle, I believe, struggle to survive because story provides a framework of meaning for our lives and we're meaning people. Alistair McIntyre said this, I can only answer the question, what can I do? Sorry, what am I to do? If I can answer the prior question of what story do I find myself apart? We're actually wired as human beings to tell stories, the ability to storytell, it's like it's hardwired into our, into our brain. Some of you will know, um, maybe you've um, been on the end of a conversation with myself or my wife Beth, um, and maybe we've just all, all we've talked about is um, our little pup that we got this summer. Um, I'm sorry for just constantly talking about our little pup. We got a little pup, just bear with me for two more minutes and then I'll stop talking about the dog. Bear with me. So we got a little pup in the summer called Fergie. Fergie, she's adorable, um, and I've been won over. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm smitten. She's great. Love her. Um, when she's not spending half of her time chewing our shoes or jumping on the sofa covered in muck from the garden or whatever, we love her very, very, very much. But as she's grown up over the last four to five months, Fergie has settled into our lives really well. I've been watching her, just been observing and it seems to be that she's just, well, she just really just lives in the moment. It's like, it's a dog's life. I'm really jealous of that. It's like, if she's tired, she sleeps. And then if she's hungry, she, well, she can't eat unless she gets our attention. She, she tries to get our attention to communicate that she wants to eat right this very moment. Or she just chews our, shoe, um, our shoes. If, she, uh, if she's playful, she'll want to run around and engage in, in play with anyone who'll pay her attention. She lives in the moment for the present. And to be honest, yeah, as I was saying, I'm, I'm sort of, there's something about freeing about that. I'm, I'm quite jealous of that. Um, they do say, as I say, it's a dog's life. Um, she has a, an interesting, Fergie, our little pup, an interesting relationship with time. She just lives in the now, you know, in the present. She's not sitting around reminiscing about the past or where she's come from. And she's not, or even regretting her past. And she's not lying around worried or anxious or excited about the future. In fact, she's just right here, right now. Um, she just is. I've asked her, I've asked her, Fergie, what's your story? She doesn't really have one. She's just like, look on her life. But we're very different as humans. We're very different creatures as human beings. We exist in time and space. and We need story narrative to give shape and meaning to our lives. The reason why, as I say, we do this is because it helps us get a sense of ourselves and our world. You need a narrative to cohere, to make sense. Um, without it, for example, your life would be not quite TV drama, but your life would probably be more like a morning breakfast news show. Anyone here watch any of the morning TV shows? Can you, Benji, you do? Carrie, yeah, it's on your house. Which one, BBC or ITV? Always BBC, controversial. Dan Walker and all that. Um, like a morning TV show where your life is actually... Without story, your life would be like a news, this news show where there's these little segments you know, that are just sort of one after the other after the other, these bite-sized segments that really bear no relation to the previous segment. Um, for one minute, you're talking about Boris Johnson and Brexit. The next minute, you're talking about Storm Dorian in the Bahamas. The next minute, you're talking about apparently the growing appetite for whale watching in Japan. 
The next minute you're talking about redundancies at a famous supermarket chain, and the next minute you hear about Serena Williams has lost the US Open to a teenager. That did happen last night, apparently, I think. Um, or maybe it was UFC you were watching, I don't know. Who knows? The point is, you're going from one thing to the next to the next to the next, and they're not connecting. They're just segments. They're just bits in a news, in, 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 like a, in like a breakfast show. Lots of seemingly independent actions and events happening. Maybe that's what you think life feels like for you. You're going from one thing to the next, and maybe you don't see or are aware of a connecting story or narrative, but you just live your life Monday go to work, Tuesday, walk the dog, Wednesday, wash your hair, Thursday, visit your granny, Friday, do the shopping. You get my point. Actually, a bunch of unrelated activities. Or are they? We should know that below these activities, there's actually some kind of driving narrative that keeps us moving forward, or sadly, sometimes can actually keep us back hold us back, shackle us down, squeeze the life out of us. Either way though, and whether we're even aware of it, stories are there and are driving us and they matter a lot. But just because they matter doesn't mean, as I say, we're aware of them. Much like the air we breathe, they are invisible. But they will drive our lives and that is why it's important that we become aware. Here in our community, here in Redeemer, why am I talking about this today? Because story is a really great place for us to start when we start to talk about what shapes us as a community here. Redeemer, we want to be a community that is tuned in to the importance of story. We want to be like, a, like an older fish type of community. The kind of community that's not scared to turn to each other and just ask, what, how's the water? Not just swimming aimlessly along, but but be, not just being driven along by these par, powerful narratives, yet being oblivious to them or their power, but to actually ask, yeah, how is the water? To learn about the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that we live within, the stories that other people are telling, the stories that perhaps other people are telling about us that have projected onto us. We just need to be aware of all of this. So I'm gonna ask you this morning, We've just talked about how much stories matter, that we're wired for narrative. I wanna say this, that your story is sacred. Your story is sacred. And I wanna ask you this morning, how's the water? How's the water? What's your story? We all have a story, right? I'm not just talking this morning about the biographical linear story that we often tell, kind that of put on a bio, on a social media account or whatever. Although that is important and we'll come to that. But I want to go deeper for a moment. What is the story that you're living inside of today? Is it a story of your own making? Or perhaps it's a story that someone else has actually projected onto you that you're living out. You're living out someone else's dream today perhaps. Maybe you're living out a parent's dream. Maybe not. Maybe you're living out a dream that you've made for yourself, a story that you've made for yourself. Maybe you're alive and well and you're living your authentic self every moment of every day. Or as I suspect, maybe you've walked in today and the story you're living in, for many of us, this is the case at times, has shackled you down, has wrung you dry, squeezed the life out of you, 
many, many stories. We could talk about thousands of stories. There's a story of individualism. There's a story of consumerism. There's a story of nationalism. Big ideas. We're not going to impact those this morning. These big stories, they invite us into, into them to take up an identity, to find a sense of hope, some GPS coordinates to navigate through life, a sense of meaning so we can move forward in life. But they promise an awful lot. Here's some of the deepest stories I think that we might, and I want to invite you to think about this this morning that we might find ourselves in today. There's the story of I'm, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. There's the story that I'm flawed or that I'm unworthy or that I just don't matter. There's a story that I'll never be accepted, not fully. There's a story that I'm a reject, that I'm forgotten. A story that no one sees me or knows me. A story that says I'm only as valuable as my next paycheck or my next job promotion, how many grades that I get, my exams. Story that says I'm only as valuable as the relationships in my life, as they come and go in my life. Story that I'm alone. These are real stories. And I believe they're not the only stories, but they're the stories that I feel spur of God just put on my heart this week as I've been reflecting on just talking about story today because I feel like these stories are in this room whether we are aware of the water or not they're there and they're driving us at times they're shaping us and I know this because I know some of you I know some of your story some of you are aware of your story and the, and the struggle that you're in I also know this because I know me and I know the dominant stories that have shaped my life. I didn't always know them. When life started to crack a little bit at the edges, I needed to get some help from some people who could help me, a therapist or other friends to help me just see what are these deep, what's this deep story that I'm living inside of? One of the dominant stories of my life, I think that I've told myself for many years is that I'm not enough. I'm flawed, inherently flawed. And that because of that, then I'll never be fully accepted. So then you can see how that then begins to lead to a sense of rejection or alienation. If you're just aimlessly floating through this life, you're not really aware of that story. All you're experiencing is the sense, the ache, the weird ache of rejection or alienation. You're not really aware that deep underneath there's a story that said you're not enough that's part of my story and these stories we develop throughout our childhood and you may not know the story that's driving yourself I didn't until many years later as I've said but maybe maybe you can feel it maybe there's maybe there's something in the water it's just trying to figure out what's going on here why do I always keep bumping up against this wall? Maybe there's something in the, there must be something in the water because every day it's getting colder and if only I could hold you, keep my head from going under. The song bruises. 
Maybe today that's what you're sensing. You're sensing something in the water. You feel your head is going under. You're struggling. You're lost. The GPS coordinates aren't working anymore. The story you've been living in, if you're even aware of that story, ain't working for you. You're hurting. You're aching. You're tangled up. This was the story in the garden that's at the beginning of our scriptures in Genesis chapter three. I just wanna read this passage for you because this is not a new story. Let me read this from Genesis three. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the, tree, the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the tree from the fruit that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was there to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and she ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate, and the, their eyes were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. In the garden, in the Edenic garden, the start of our scriptures, we have this story of Adam and Eve hiding, hiding behind a, a story, a story of shame. They were ashamed. They were naked. They created some kind of story of protection and they hid themselves from the presence of God. They realized, they believed that they were not enough. They were flawed, that they were unworthy, that they must cover up and that they must hide. And there is an awful lot of theology packed up in Genesis 3. And I'm not gonna get into it today because we know that something went awry in the human story. But what I wanna draw out today is that Genesis 3 is not the first original story. It is not the starting point. This is not the first act. Because this story of Adam and Eve in the garden is our story. And it is not our story. It is not the norm for humanity. The story of humanity actually begins two chapters earlier where God creates mankind. I wanna read that from Genesis 1:26. If you've got a Bible or an app, you want to look it up, you can follow along, I'm just going to read it. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so 
brilliant verse at the end. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was morning, there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Our story, when we live inside of the story of God, rewrites our story. And that story is a story that starts in Genesis 1, a story where God creates mankind, male and female, in his own image. In the image of God, he creates them. And God blesses them. And God declares, it is very good. It is very good. This whole key to this story is understanding that God has created man in his image. This literally means that as human beings, unlike any, anything else that has been created in God's creation, we bear the mark of the divine. You remember our friend Jason Miller last year who came and preached and preached on this very theme, everyone an icon. We are icons of the divine. We're icons of God. We bear his image and likeness. We are like little gods serving our God on this earth. And he says that we are good. We are good. He creates his creation and says that it is very good. The story that we live within, when we live within the story of God, is one that does not start with the story of shame, but says that you're not enough, but says that you are an image bearer of the divine. You are holy. You are sacred. You are very good. And God blesses you. This is the story that we occupy in this community in Redeemer. This is why we talk about it on week one. This is the starting point from everything else that we do as a community. Everything flows from this very moment out. God names us and declares that we're his, that we're beloved, that we're worthy. And he invites us to walk with him in perfect communion. That's our story. That's our story. That's the story that we immerse ourselves in when we live within the story of God. Our story does not begin in Genesis 3, but in Genesis 1. In Genesis 1. And it's so important because when we know where the story begins, when we start in Genesis 1, we then know where the story is going to return to. We don't need to get into the rest of the deep theology this morning. The story of God will do that another week. We know that things have not played out. We know that something in our makeup as humans has gone awry. We know that there's much brokenness in our world. There's much brokenness in each of us. But we're within a story where God is bringing us right back to that Edenic ideal of the garden in deep communion with him. So if you've walked in here today with a story that says, I'm not enough, I'm nothing, or I don't matter, or I am not worthy, or you're only as good as your next paycheck, or there's something else driving you, whether it be success, or whatever it might be, can I suggest that perhaps if there's just a sense in you, like an ache for more, something in the water, can I suggest to you that that story maybe isn't serving you well this morning? And I want to remind you that there's a good news story today. It's the story of God. See, here's the other thing about stories. 
They're not all true. They're not all true. Some stories are true. Some stories just aren't. Some stories are fiction. Sometimes we just live within a fiction. Have you ever seen that movie, The Truman Show, where Jim Carrey plays Truman and he's trying to like sort of experience the real? He just senses that his life is just basically like a fake fiction. Perhaps it's an image for how sometimes we can live our lives thinking they're true, thinking that they're the truth, but they're really not. I've got good news today. Not every story is true, but there's further good news. There's a story that I know is true with all my heart and is the story that we're talking about this morning in Redeemer from which everything flows, the original story, the story from which we must live, that you're made in the image of God, that you're beloved, that you're good, that you are accepted, and there's no other story that can change that reality. You, or maybe even other people, might have actually furnished your life with fiction, projected onto you that you are not enough, that you don't live up to it, you don't have enough talent, you don't have enough opportunity, they're just telling you the story. And you've lived within that impoverished story your whole life. It's a story of fiction. Because I want to say that God loves you. God loves you. And he says that you are good. He has created you in his image. As I said, we know that the story takes a turn. We know that the deceiver led Adam and Eve in the original garden to cover themselves, telling them lies about what they might know if they taste of the fruit. So they turn their back on God. But their creator, God, is not one to leave, even in that moment. Even in that moment, it says in Genesis 3, but the Lord, the Lord God called out to man and said to him, where are you? Where are you? Maybe that's a question for us today. Because this is, Perhaps a question that helps us discern what's in the water, the story. What's the story I'm immersed in? Where are you? Despite all that happened in the garden, God promises to make it right. He promises to come and reverse the lies. It's in the story in Genesis. To reverse the lies and restore that Edenic goodness once again. And there is this beautiful image of God right there in that moment, in that original story, where God in a sheer act of grace comes looking for them and pursuing them. But then he makes garments of skin to clothe them, to cover their shame. Genesis three twenty one: the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments and skins to clothe them, to hide their, their shame. They have that sense of being for being naked, of being exposed, and they wanted to hide themselves. They felt unworthy, and God comes, even in that moment, comes and clothes them, comes with grace. From that day, the story is that we live in a, live in, we, there is a God who has set in motion a pursuit to reverse that, to draw us back into his presence and the deep communion with him and restore all that has been lost. You need to know today that you're loved, that even in your brokenness, 
even in your brokenness, God comes and he's looking for you. Where are you? And he comes with an act of grace. He wants to cover your shame. He wants to re-narrativize your life. He wants to invite you into his story that's so much deeper and truer than perhaps the story that you've settled for. How does that inform our praxis here at Redeemer? That's a good question. What that means for us here as a community that tries to live out that reality, that the original story, that we are image bearers of the divine, means that here in our community, everyone is welcome. It means that we practice a radical welcome and grace. The reality of church life, of community life around Jesus, around the story of God, is that we're a family and we're a family made up of different types of people with different stories from different walks of life. We come together. So regardless today of race or gender or age or sexuality or belief, you're welcome here. And you're created in God's image. And how deep in the story you are doesn't really matter. That is the truth about you. And we want this place to be a place where you can genuinely continue to ask that question. What's the story I'm in? Trying to discern it. We want this to be a place where you can experience genuine community life that's built with people that are very different. There'd be a diversity in this community where we come together in our difference. Commonality is drawn through the person of Jesus. And it's not just a community for those who are in our church community, but we want to extend that welcome to our city, to our neighborhoods, to the towns and cities around us. We strive, we don't always get it right, but we strive to be a community that starts with this original story that everyone is made in the image of God. And we want to be a community that practices a welcome that is radical, that is open, and we extend that to one and all to come. You're welcome to be part of this community. The church is a place for you to come with your story, which is a holy story, and to find belonging and welcome and continue on your journey to find acceptance. And this story, we believe, centers around this table that's behind us. There's a place at this table for all of us. It's a strong metaphor for what has been established through Christ and his church. And this community is a place where everyone can come and find a place at the table and a role to play. So this is why story matters. This is why story matters. And your story matters. No matter who you are today, you're welcome just as you are to come. To come just as you are. God blesses you. God invites you into his story. God isn't finished with us. God wants to remake us. God wants to draw us deeper. God wants to rewire us. God wants to transform us. God wants to heal us. He wants to deliver us from the lies and the stories that have tangled us up. But he welcomes us. He woos us. He pursues us. That's where our story begins. And just finally, I want to say, how this value of story shapes us here at Redeemer is that we view life as a journey. Life is a journey. It's a bit of a cliche, but it's true. The Christian story is one where we're invited into a journey toward what? A journey, I believe, toward becoming our truest selves. 
The Christian story is one not to make you into something other than you actually are. It's about actually taking your broken humanity and helping you completely flourish. Completely flourish, be whole, be healed. So there's an invitation for us today, particularly as we come to this table, to drop the fictions and to not hide behind those, to come into touch with who God says that we are. Here's a question for you. Are you living in the wrong story today? What's the story that you've picked up from your upbringing, from the culture that would define you, that would hold you back, that would shape you, that would attempt to bring you joy? What is that story? Is that story in opposition to the story of grace, to the story of a God who comes to pursue constantly with grace and love? The thing that happens when we explore our own stories, when we bring ourselves all of our stories to the table is that it begins to intersect. Our story begins to intersect with the story of God as I've been talking about this morning. There's a, a famous uh, famous movie. I just went to see uh, the fourth one last week with Beth. We went to see Toy Story 4. Anyone see Toy Story 4? In the car, in, in, in the, uh, in his book, sorry, um, Ed Catmull, who was the president of Pixar Animation, Disney Animation, he talks about how story is king. And he has a quote that says, um, we took pride in the fact that reviewers talked mainly about the way that Toy Story made them feel, not about the computer wizardry that enabled us to get it up on the screen. We believe that this was the direct result of us always keeping the story as the guiding light. So he's talking there about simple storytelling, you know, cinema, technicalities of how to get a story up on the screen in 3D animation. And sometimes I believe that sometimes we reduce our faith all the way down to the technicalities and there's like lists of things you gotta believe and doctrines and statements and it's technical and it feels more like a morning news show than a drama. But the story is our guiding light. The story is our guiding light. We are in a story, Redeemer. We're part of God's story of what he's doing on the earth and he's not finished yet. So let us keep that story as our guiding light. Let us dig into true biblical narrative and understand that. For many of us, as we seek to follow Jesus and make sense of our faith and our lives, we'll get pulled, pulled down and pulled back by the technicalities. Let us not forget the story and how it makes us feel and how it helps us to understand what's in the water. I'm just gonna finish with a quote, N.T. Wright, throw a rule book at people's heads, offer them a list of doctrines they can duck or avoid or simply disagree and go away, but tell them a story though and you invite them into a different world. You invite them to share a world view or better still, a God view. God view. Let's stand. I'd love us to come to the table of the invite. I'd love to invite Matt Stewart and the guys up to lead us in a song. Let me just finish with one short little little bit. We're going to come to the table. We're going to break bread and wine together. 
This table is at the center of our story as we live in the story of God. As we live in the story of God making all things new through Jesus Christ, the table sits at the very center of it and is a picture of how we are welcome to come as we are and how God is not finished with us. He's rewriting our story. So if you're here today and you love Jesus or if you want to meet Jesus for the first time, you are welcome to come and break bread and drink the wine and commune with us, commune with Christ who is present at this table. You're welcome. Let me just read this last little bit as the guys maybe strike up and play as they begin to lead us. We have the privilege, as N.T. Wright says, of living and acting in God's great story. This is the implication of adopting the story rather than some segmented, systematized life. Unless we are players within this telling of God's story, players within the story of hope and resurrection, and we're in danger of being submerged in other stories, modern and postmodern master narratives. The modern master storyteller tells us that we are the hope for our worlds, while the postmodern story tells us that there may not be any hope. John Dunning, John Dun- Dominic Crossan, who describes the hopelessness of a postmodern world, says this, there is no lighthousekeeper, there is no lighthouse, there is no dry land, there are only people living on rafts made from their own imaginations, and there is the sea. This is just my story, and you're welcome to have yours. But that view begins to break down. Those stories break down. The hope that is promised is eroded away as we live our actual lives in the real world. We realize that our stories ask more questions than they're capable of giving answers for. And then we feel a deep ache within. And we realize that it is an authentic story that we're really after. That is all we want. We have a sacred, authentic story not just one of lists, facts, and statements, but of a gracious and intimate God who has invited us to walk with him. It is a story from beginning to end that echoes and rifts with grace and hope and salvation and resurrection. It helps remind us of who we are, of where we come from, and of where we're going. Father, I thank you for your story of grace, of hope, of resurrection. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who's wooing us and pursuing us and guiding us and leading us. I thank you that you've made us. I thank you that you say that we are yours, that we are loved, that we are worthy. I pray that as we break bread and as we drink wine now, as we celebrate Christ, as we worship, Lord, that you would rewrite the story on our hearts. Remind us that we are loved, that we matter, that you love us, that you're for us. We pray this in the good name and the strong name and the able name of Jesus. Amen.